Hello, and welcome to The Solve Network. I'm Shane Borza, host of the podcast. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. We hope this episode and expert helps you to learn, grow, and move forward. And now, on with the show. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes Workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com. I also have filmmaker resources like the Paperwork Bundle with over 300 documents, the Sound Effects Bundle with almost 3,000 files, and the Music Bundle featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb. Let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. Does anyone out there have any questions on what I just covered? Yeah, there, there's a couple questions in the chat I can ask you about. But uh, first, I want to thank you for that. And I, it's funny that you just mentioned that it could apply to multiple things because the whole time you were presenting, I was like, oh, you could take this kind of five-part framework and like drop it in on like this or this or that. And so I thought it was great. And um, I, uh, I did want to ask, though, because you, you had kind of given us the left or the right at the beginning of like, should I give the real estate version or the stock market version? So in, in that kind of framework, is there anything that like, so say someone watches this video later and they go, oh, I wonder what her big difference would be in the stock market versus the real estate example. Or, or is there one like super uh, tip that jumps out of the top of your head that you would want to make sure that people did know? Like, for instance, if they imagined, oh, I wish I heard the stock market version of this, you know, anything jump <laughs> okay. out at you? Yeah, we can do that. Here, let me, um, let me share it again. I will back up a bit. Again, with your stock market, you have a vision and you have intention. So let's say eventually you want to have a portfolio of a million dollars. That's one of these bullets here. You're going to budget for it. Of course, that's the same. <coughs> Choose a model. So... Between choose a model and evaluate, well, there is a model called coattailing. Coattailing is you pick your favorite investor and you just ride his coattails, and it could be Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's trades are public. We all know what Warren Buffett is buying. He's the number one trader probably in the world right now. So he it's posted. I, apparently, he... He is such a large trader in the stock market that he is required by the SEC to be posting um, publicly what he's doing because he influences companies. So you can ride the coattails of an investor. You can be searching only for new technologies. You can be searching only for small cap stocks. You could say, I'm only going to invest in... um, what they call blue chip stocks. The stocks that you look at, the history of them is long and strong and they're going to make you a pretty solid return year after year. That's pretty safe, I would say. So that's your, the model you're going to pick is 
how am I going to decide? What I teach is, is how a person evaluates a company. So I teach you how to evaluate a company. There's like a 10-step process for evaluating a company. I don't teach coattailing. That's not, that wouldn't be that hard to do though. If you would like to do that so that you don't learn how to evaluate the companies and you let Warren Buffett do it for you, that's fine. That's your choice. Um, so the buy, there's nothing special about the buy. I would just say always buy long. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I would say mostly for stock market investing, decide on what sort of, Mm, what part of the market you're most interested in. Are you just interested in new companies that are going to do well? Are you interested in green tech? Are you interested in new scientific technology? Are you interested in the pharma? Are you interested in cars? So I learned from a stock market investing um, education firm and they had suggested years ago that one of the up and coming companies that had not created a product yet was a car company that we should invest in. It looked like it was going to be a good company. It did not make a profit. It had not made a car yet, but it looked like it was, it was going to be something that Americans would buy. And I bought in at it at $32 a share. So that's pretty cheap. I mean, even back then for a car company, that was pretty cheap. And I don't remember how many hundreds of shares I bought, but that was Tesla. And I held Tesla until it was at 255 and then it languished for ah, like six months or a year. I thought, you know what? I mean, now look at the curves. So when you're in the stock market, you look at what they call positive surprises and negative surprises. When you get multiple positive surprises, more people, that's, that's a quarterly report that says, how are we doing according to how we, what we had predicted and also what the, the analysts had predicted so we made more money per share um, in the last quarter than what everybody had predicted. That's a positive surprise. If we made less money per share than what had been predicted, that's a negative surprise. Uh, many people pull out when they start getting negative surprises in a company. And many more people buy when you start getting multiple positive surprises in a company. So that's one way of evaluating. But no matter what, when I teach people how to evaluate a company, you have evaluated whether they have a defensible moat whether they have a good strategy, whether they have a good management team, whether they have a good product, um, whether they have name recognition. There are a number of things you're going to have already evaluated and what could happen. Well, what if they lose their top management people? What if the strategy is suddenly undermined by something else? Well, that means that they didn't really have that defensible moat. So you have these, these top 10 things you're looking for in a company and as long as those are solid, and you have to remember that the stock market can be volatile and emotional and not necessarily reflective of that company, the stocks can go down, right? We all know that from when the stocks went down in 2001, wasn't it 2001? When stocks took a real dumper, when the tech bubble burst, wasn't that 2001? Seems to me my son was a baby. Um, and another thing to watch out for is don't overinvest in one company. I don't care who you are. I've learned this really painfully, you guys. My first investments were all in the company I worked in, and it was Hewlett Packard, a really good company, really solid. And when the tech bubble burst on paper, 
I lost half a million dollars on paper. I always tell people on paper because I rode out the stock market. I did not sell everything. And it wasn't necessarily a reflection on Hewlett-Packard or any of the tech companies in particular, but it reflected what was going on in a much larger scheme. So <clears throat> just like when, oh my gosh, how many years ago, 2008, real estate in some parts of California was going upside down. People were going upside down on their loans. Do you know what that means? It means you are paying more. You have um, a remaining balance on your mortgage of more than what your house is worth right now today. And many people looked at that and said, I can't deal with this. And they left their homes. They walked away from their homes. Their homes were going upside down in value. They walked away from their homes. And this was... As far as I know, it was in the San Joaquin Valley. It was in Stockton, Modesto, Lodi, that area. It took years for it to pick back up and to regain the value it had made. But over time, all of those homes did fine. Um, that's how I got my dog. I know that's a strange story, but people were walking away from their homes and they were leaving their cats and dogs. And a rescue agency called me and said, we have a dog for you. And I drove all the way to Fremont and picked up the boy dog that I have right outside right now. He's a wonderful dog. And someone just left him with the house. <clears throat> anyway, so the stock market can go up and down. The real estate market can go up and down. The stock market to me sometimes feels like a heart attack. I do not look at the stock market every day. I invest in very solid companies. I look at my investments once a month. I write it down in a labby book. Let's see if I have that. I have it, just a sec. Can you see this, my labby book? This is just a regular, you buy it at the store, lab notebook uh, that you would take for a science class. I write down the assets and I write down um, what I owe, and then I net out my, my value, my total net worth, and then I compare it month over month to the previous month, and that's how I track um, what's going on with my investments. That's not brain, you know, it's not brain surgery. It's really easy, and I teach people how to do it as easy as you want to do it. it can, this can all be as easy as you want. So the stock market, I would say, make sure that you believe in what you're investing in. If you have a value system around stocks, then you're not going to invest in companies that you don't believe in. If you say, it's all capitalism, I'm good with all of this, then you could invest in any company out there and feel comfortable with it, bully for you. Um, there are companies I would definitely not invest in, like the tobacco companies, it's just, uh, it's not gonna happen. But, um, so make sure you believe in who you're investing in and either through, you could do, coattailing. You could go off another investor who's clearly been doing this a long time and knows what he's doing. Or you can do your own homework and learn how to evaluate a company. I got to tell you a story, Shane. When I left high tech, I left to homeschool my kids. I did that for three years. It was a great, a great time in my life. I, I kept like one step ahead of them every day. They were little. They were like, they, I did kindergarten first and second for the little guy and first, second and third grade for the older guy. And we tried a lot of different stuff. I put them through horsemanship lessons and karate and this cool social studies class where they built cities out of Legos and art classes, science classes. Um, and then I taught them about the stock market. So I had them pretend that they were buying 
but I bought it for them. They knew I was buying it for them. I bought them a chunk of, I think, 10 shares of a company that they believed in. They had to tell me why they believed in it. So one son bought Del Monte and the other one bought Buffalo Wild Wings. And then we, we made a little chart and we followed the lines in the stock market of what was going on with their stock. And after about, I don't know, six years, I told my older son, I said, honey, I need to buy you out because your Buffalo Wild Wings is doing really well. He said, okay, mom. So I bought him out. So strangely enough, everything I taught those kids for those three years, the one thing that they really latched onto is they're both great stock pickers. And I can even ask the 18 or 20 year old now, what's a good up and coming stock? And they know the really cheap stocks and, and I've invested in a couple of them. They're really, these guys know what they're doing. Oh my goodness. I hope to bring them onto one of my workshops one day and show me what they're doing. But Obviously, my younger one spends a lot of time doing research, so he's probably researching these companies deeply. But anyway, the fact is you can teach your kids about the stock market, and they understand the principles, and they understand about compounding, and they can support themselves by understanding how to invest and watch their money grow, which is what you can do too. So that's what I teach. That's great. I, I know that basically gave a second uh, condensed little uh, presentation, but I am really happy to hear that. I heard a lot of great things. There's a lot of parallels, like you mentioned, between the two because it still has that kind of framework. But uh, I think a lot of the things, like even just uh, invest in what you believe in, you know, I think that's like a key takeaway. And uh, I also like that, you know, uh, I think that that can tie into people's, you know, belief structure of like, well, I don't want to support that industry. So I'm not going to invest in that industry. Uh, for instance, I think that's something that is kind of glossed over in a lot of, like, like you talk about like capitalism, yay, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, well, this is a good way to make money. So invest in that because they're looking at the money aspect, not necessarily the belief right. aspect. So I was really happy to hear you bring that up. So before I ask any of the questions that I have in the chat, because we have a couple of people here live on the call, I want to see if anyone want to jump in with any comments or questions before I start reading off some of the ones that I have here. Okay, I'll uh, ask again in a few minutes. So I have a question here about the model. And they said, is it necessary to have a model? What about just going with either the flow of money or the flow of like your mind? Any thoughts on kind of just going where either the stock market's going or going with like whatever idea or, or opportunity comes your way? Well, I'll tell you about a recent investment I made based on opportunity and I'd love to teach people this stuff. So March, 2020, we went on shelter in place. The first two weeks I thought, I got this. I have food. I have my own water source. So far I have electricity. I live in a place where I'm comfortable. It's a beautiful place. I even had toilet paper. And about two weeks into it, I realized I'm an extrovert. Where are my people? Oh no, what am I going to do? Where are my people? Where are my people? Where are my people? And then my whole life went on to Zoom. Everything went on to Zoom. My, let's see, weekly meetings went on to Zoom. My dance class went on to Zoom. Church went on to Zoom. Oh my gosh, what else went on? Oh, Toastmasters went on to Zoom. Pretty much every group I'm a member of went on to Zoom. So I sat there and I thought, well, you know what? 
I'm not sure what's going to go on here because this is going to slam the economy. It was really obvious that what we were doing was going to slam the economy. And within two months, we almost reached, um, well, economic meltdown. We almost reached zero um, in our economic numbers. So I thought, well, okay, if something were to thrive during shelter in place that's in the stock market, what would it be? Let's look at this logically. So I figured, oh, I went out onto Twitter, I think Twitter and Facebook and looked, what are people doing during shelter in place? Well, they're drinking more, they're eating out less, they're watching a lot of movies. They are like stuffing themselves with Netflix and uh, the kids are watching the Disney channel and uh, my whole life just went on to Zoom. I put out a bid on Disney and I put out a bid on Zoom. In fact, I threw all the extra money I had in any of my investment accounts at Zoom because I went onto the SEC and I pulled their uh, filings and I looked at how solid the company was. I actually had never heard of Zoom before. We had used different kinds of, um, what do you call this, online video tools when I was in high tech. Um, but it, they looked like a solid company. They weren't very old. They were probably going to go through some bumps in the road, but it looked solid. So I bought Zoom and it tripled. So <clears throat> actually the Disney never executed. I actually put a bid on Disney and it was already going up so fast that my bid was skipped and I never bought the Disney stock. I don't know what it's at today. I think my bid was 87. We could look that up. But so you can do that. I mean, that's logic. What's going on in the economy what what feels like it's really growing right now, but I do honestly recommend that you learn how to read SEC filings. So that happens when I teach my stock market investing class. Um, learning how to read the SEC filings to see if their financials are solid and their management team and their strategy are solid, which is what I did when I read about Zoom. But it looked, it looked like a solid company and they've certainly made a lot of changes since last March. Um, because they ran into the security problem where people were Zoom bombing and they, they fixed that. So yes, that is kind of a, I don't, would you call that um, emotional, Shane? Or, or uh, it's kind of like go with the flow investing. Well, what's happening in the US right now? Well, what stocks are involved in that? Maybe someone comes out with, we know that diabetes is hugely on the rise in the US, right? And what if someone comes out with a diabetes medicine that is extremely effective even for children? That is something that I would invest in. Um, so it, yeah, your values and, and what's going on right now are, are two ways to look at it. But as far as the model, well, I'm coaching people. So I'm coaching something that's repeatable. And also because I've bought so many houses, I have learned so many lessons about real estate investing that I, it behooves you to get the information I have, which I can fit into a model that'll show you step-by-step step what the pitfalls are and what um, the wonderful tips I can give you at this point are because of how many times I've invested in housing. So this is, this is repeatable. I can give you this five-step model and you can repeat it all over the United States when you're buying houses. Um, you can repeat the model with the stock market. So it's definitely repeatable. You can refer to it over and over again, but yeah. Whatever's going on right now, you can invest based on that. 
I could have invested in uh, housing in Stockton, Tracy, and Modesto back when it, it went upside down. That would have actually been a really good investment. I wasn't in real estate at the time. I've only been in real estate the last five years or so. I think that Zoom is a that's a great example. Like you said, uh, uh, I like I like also the the way that you were able to kind of tie in, you know, taking advantage of what the marketplace is currently doing, but going in smart by like like you said, like learning how to read things, uh, doing your homework, kind of going in you know, smart and but still using your values and saying like, okay, what, what's hot right now? What's going on? What are people using? And what do I, you know, to go back to what you said before, what do I believe in? So I think that's a, that's a great way. Before I get to the next question, I just looked it up because uh, you were asking. So Disney is 174.70 today. So basically okay. more than doubled from Double. 87. Uh, I don't know exactly how long ago that was, but uh, I'm sure Disney is, what I would assume like a blue chip stuff, you know, they've been around forever. They're kind of uh, cornered family entertainment. They yeah. Of course, Disney plus is mm-hmm. a great com- competitor to Netflix and they got tons of, um, I mean, they have Marvel and star Wars. Everybody wants Marvel and star Wars. So, uh, okay. So the next question was, can you talk about the value of waiting to buy right, as opposed to just buying like either right now or what feels right in the moment? Oh, wow. Well, that's part of that I think has to do, it feels like has to do with your money archetype. Um, and part of it, like your patience level, but I could have bought a number of houses in the area where my son is going to college before I bought this one. Obviously I made, I made bids on three other houses that went, that fell through. So that didn't work, but, um, this particular house had been on the market before and I didn't put a bid on it because it needed a new roof and the carpeting really needed to be replaced. Well, guess what they did? They pulled it off the market because they weren't getting bids on it. They replaced the roof. They put in all new carpeting and they put it back on the market at the same price. It's like, boom, bought that one. <laughs> it was a good idea. But no, it's, it's, if, you, if you don't have the patience for waiting around, you will find something that will fit your requirements, right? The evaluation that you did, you will find something that fits and you can buy it. You, you don't have to wait around. In the st- so my own personal thing is when I'm buying stock in the stock market, I usually bid on it, usually just a little bit lower than what it is today. And I wait. And I like that zing when I get the message in my email that says your trade has executed. So it's it's like the immediate for me the immediate uh, dopamine rush when I buy it just at the market price is not the same as waiting a little while for it to execute when the market goes down a little. But you know you can't rely on the market going down all the time. You can't rely on that. So that's why Disney never executed, right? So it's it's. Uh, it's whatever your strategy is. If you really want to buy something today, you can find a house that's going to meet your criteria today or this week or this month. You can do that. You can absolutely do that. You might have to do extra legwork to evaluate all of them. Um, and you can definitely find stocks out there that you can buy that you know are going to go up. Yep, you can do that. It's your own, it's your own game. It's your own vision. It's your own intention, how you would like to move forward with that. But yeah, that the, that house, 
let's see, the house before that was in Madison, Wisconsin, and I didn't have a timeline for that. I just, and I didn't know how long it would take. I just got a really good realtor and she started walking me through houses on WhatsApp. And I knew, I don't, I didn't know shit, Shane. I don't know anything about old houses. These are houses that are a hundred years old. I'm from California. We don't have houses with basements in California. We have earthquakes. So I, I knew nothing. And so she'd be walking me through these houses that are potential candidates because they have enough bedrooms and they're in the right part of town. And I'd say, well, what do you think? And she says, <laughs> She'd say something. First, she said, well, you know, this needs a lot of work. This needs paint. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And then one day she said, you don't know anything about old houses and you're asking me to find you an old house. I said, yeah, right. That's what I'm paying you for. And she found me a really nice one. But she was a little frustrated because honestly, I didn't know shit. I just I just knew that this was my vision was to own a Victorian home, which I can't do in California. I, I can do it in Wisconsin. And so she found me one built in 1906 that will always be rented and it's in good condition. And it took us not very long. It took us maybe two months to find. It didn't take that long. So yeah, it just depends on what you've what you're holding on to as your vision and your intention here in your process. But if you need it fast, you can buy stock fast. You can buy houses fast. It might not be perfect. It won't probably won't be perfect. It takes longer to get closer to what your ideal is. Yeah. Really, like, again, I feel like that's very specific and yet also very balanced. And I like, too, how that use the word, you know, intention and uh, vision. And, again, putting it kind of into, like, okay, here, here's a framework. We'll, we'll set you up for success, but it can be tailored to the person. And, like you said, the archetype they have, the, the risk um, you know, how risk averse are they, you know, or, or what have you. Um, I like that it's uh, kind of an open system. So each person can tailor it to themselves. It's a great way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a couple last questions. And so I'll uh, want to ask you these, but then in the back of your head, start thinking about, uh, I always like to shine a light on what you have coming up and make sure people know how to get hold of you and all that. So we'll, but we'll, we'll end with that in a few minutes. So um, question here is, um, are there different or other models which can lead to pass, passive income beyond the stock market and real estate? Uh, well, I held a summit on Bitcoin in April to educate people about the realities of Bitcoin, to talk about the myths and the realities. And I had like three really famous authors in that summit and it's all recorded. I mean, it's available. Um, but Bitcoin is another way to make passive income. My opinion of Bitcoin is it is high risk. And as you know, I have a high risk profile. So I am not invested in Bitcoin. And, you know, you might tell me 10 years from now that that wasn't smart, but that's okay. I don't live in the past. So this is my decision now is that I'm not investing in Bitcoin right now. That might change in the future. Um, so Bitcoin is another way to make passive income. But in the U.S., mostly the traditional ways are real estate and the stock market. Otherwise, it's something you're usually putting work into. Well, you can have affiliate agreements. You can make passive income through affiliate agreements. Um, 
selling things online automatically. You can passive income, I think. You can create online courses that just run themselves automatically. That becomes passive. I mean, you put a lot of work into it at the front end, but it becomes passive at the back end. Um, yeah, there are a lot of different ways to make income. But as far as like traditional passive income in the U.S., I would say it's mostly the stock market and real estate. And commercial investing as well. You know, commercial is like my next step is commercial. But frankly, and I like I'm not advertising this, but my, my next step because I feel like I've done the stock market and I've, I've done real estate is I'm, I'm planning to create either a nonprofit or a company that's called a profit for public good. And I would like to make a company that helps house people who don't want to buy 30 year fixed rate loans, don't want to get into that um, and don't really want a big house. So I'm looking into what it would take to create an organization that builds tiny houses and creates communities for people with tiny houses and where they actually feel like part of a community and they care about each other. And it's, it's small and it would be on acreage. I don't know, like five, five acres, maybe 20 houses on five acres. And um, they would have a community center and they would run it as a community. So that's what I'm looking into next. So fun fact, my wife, we, we, my wife and I were going to build a tiny house. We've gone to several tiny house uh, workshops and we're part of a community and everything. And we didn't live in a separate tiny house, but we lived in um, a tiny apartment that was like under a large house that was kind of built onto uh, a hill outside of LA. It was, uh, so we were in okay. 200 square feet, the two of us for three years. And wow. it was really amazing. And we met a lot of great people who were super passionate about trying to create either for uh, veterans or homeless people or, or, you know, different demographics of people to create uh, tiny houses. And unfortunately, was that five, six years ago, there was, uh, it was so far outside of what standard real estate was that a lot of the principalities didn't understand how to yeah even create that type of community. But since then, there have been a number of, uh, I know there's one in Texas somewhere. Uh, there's a number of municipalities who have said, well, welcome any tiny house in any condition to come to this place. You do have to plug into the grid, but like you're all welcome and it's legal and it's fine. So I really salute you to, to do that. And maybe we can chat more about that um, off the call. That's awesome. Well, that's, yes, it's nice to talk to people who've lived in tiny houses in any way. And I did find out, actually, a guy started sending me all these links that I need to start following now, of how they're designed, some communities exist. One is in Rio Vista, so it's uh, like 90 miles from me here. I could easily go visit that community and see what's going right and, and what can use improvement. But my idea is that there's a community garden in the middle, and there's also a meeting place in the middle because the the shortcoming of a tiny house is that you don't have a place to have a bunch of people come visit because it's so tiny. So, uh, you know, like a, not a gazebo, but a, a meeting place, a gathering place where people could have parties and meals and dances and whatever. And I'd like those to be on in all the communities that I, that we build with the tiny houses. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's a great idea. I think uh, it's time has come. Yeah, not just for veterans and people who are homeless, but a lot of the, like the millennials don't, a lot of them don't want to own big houses with 30 year fixed rate loans. 
So we'll see. That's my big idea. Awesome. Well, we'll stay tuned on that and maybe you can come back on and figure out how to do it. We'd love to hear more about that. Okay. So last, last two things is, um, and, and you touched on this a little bit kind of as an aside, but when you talked about kind of uh, believing in what you want to invest in, but if you want to invest for either a specific social or environmental or some other kind of causal reason beyond making money, do you have any suggestions about how to go about that or any like resources so people would be able to know, you know, how they could invest in say the future or invest in some kind of uh, thing beyond like we talked about earlier, just money? I think, um, well, one way to go about it would be to look at what's IPOing in the next year or two. So if you do a Google search on IPOs 2021, IPOs 2022, there might be an upcoming list of companies that plan to do their IPO as initial public offering. It's when they hit the stock market. <clears throat> so the, the latest IPO that I bought was Snowflake. And the one before that was Beyond Meat. So a lot of people are familiar with Beyond Meat now. Um, I did not buy accidentally. I just wasn't on the ball. But I, I did not buy it right when it went live, when it IPO'd. But I, I believe in it, and they have a good product. Um, so that is something that's a meat replacement. And if you know anything about the industrial meat production in the United States, it is really hard to stomach if you know what's going on with beef production in particular. Um, I mean, uh, most of the meat production, but uh, just, if you've ever been through Coalinga, California, it's just a heart ripper to see what's going on with the animals in those stockyards. So um, I strongly believe in a company that's willing to do what it takes to create good tasting meat substitute. Um, Another way, well, you can you can do. I just I, I honestly believe Google's your friend in many ways. Do searches on new green tech. Um, you can look in a number of the money type magazines that are available in the library. Um, um, but I would probably, depending on what you're looking for, I would go out and do a search for new green tech. You know, originally I bet Tesla would have fallen into that. Um, you might have found Tesla under new green tech because it was all about batteries. Um, it depends on what you're looking for. But yeah, I, I, would, I would do Google searches. I would start with Google. Google like has massive data centers, folks. They spend billions on the data centers to know everything that's out there. So I would start there. Is that a good answer? I yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great answer. I didn't, uh, I didn't even think of doing the IPO search, but um, the new green tech had occurred to me. So uh, again, some of these things I'm sure people thought of, but they haven't thought of all of them. So when you give people uh, a number of resources, I'm sure for everyone, there's gonna be something they hadn't thought of before. So that's great. So the last thing, wanting to, I guess, kind of flip your idea of buying or holding long. So the question is why long and not short? What about investing in a short? And why did those ideas matter? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't, um, 
I don't, I don't really invest that way, Shane. It's not my method. I, I believe in investing in a company that you believe in, that you've done your research on and you, you, it's, it's, it's like you're, you're getting into the ring with them. You're getting into bed with them. I don't know how to put it. You're getting, you, you want them to do well. You've researched them and you want them to last over time and you are willing to invest in that business over time. And shorting a company, to me, I, I don't short anything, but is betting against a company. It's betting against a company. And I don't want that energy in my life. So my energy is to believe in the companies that I invest in and to want to hold on to that. Now, they could do something. I could find out that a company that I've invested in is like dumping something toxic into the water and if they don't, if they don't show me that they're going to, you know, they show up in the news. If, if they don't show me that they're going to immediately rectify that, then I will actually probably dump the stock. I'm that way. So, but I believe in holding on to a company long because it's a relationship. I want a relationship with a company that is doing well for people, with people in the United States. And I'm willing to go the long game with them. It's my personal policy. I'm sure you will find people out there who could coach you on how to make money short term, how to do quick turnovers of stock. My son can teach you how to be a day trader, apparently. My 18-year-old's been day trading since he was 16. It would give me indigestion to be a day trader. I couldn't handle it. It's not my method. I'd love to know why he decided to do that. But um, no, it's just that's just not the method I teach, Shane. I, I teach people how to believe in the companies that they're investing in t- and to hold on to them. And it will increase over time. And compounding is real. Compounding is what made me a millionaire. Compounding is, re- do you all know what compounding is? If you take, if you ask, I, I give this to the teenagers. I teach pro bono work in the high schools a lot. If instead of your daily or monthly allowance, if you're a teenager, if you say, mom, dad, if you just give me a penny on July 1st and then two pennies on July 2nd and then four pennies on July 3rd. So it's doubling every day for a month. That's what I want my allowance to be. So 30 days. So July has 31 days. So guess how much money you have at the end of July when you, do, this is compounding 100% per day, compounding. Go ahead, guess, make a wild ass guess. Shane. Oh my God. It's probably like a hundred thousand dollars or something crazy like that. <laughs> it's over $10 million. It just, it just, I mean, on day 30, you have 5,368,000, blah, blah, blah. I forget the exact number, but then in the next day, of course, it's double that. So compounding is real. And when you buy stocks in companies that you believe in, they are going to increase over time, their value. <coughs> and they're also going to pay you, chances are, pay you dividends. And you just roll those dividends back into the account. So it's automatic dividend reinvestment. And that money is going to sit there. This is what made me a millionaire. It's going to sit there and work for you. Whether you're looking at it or not, you're bought into a company you believe in that has a good strategy and a good defensible moat. So it is making an average, over time, it makes an average of 6% a year. But frankly, in the last 30 years, it's made a lot more than that. So 
um, let's just say it's making 10% or 12% a year. Well, do the compounding on that, sit with it, and it's not causing you a lot of heartache and indigestion by getting in and out of the stock market all the time because that's nerve wracking. I'm sorry, that's nerve wracking. It's like my life needs to be a little more peaceful than that. <laughs> so <laughs> I believe in buying long, holding long and believing in the companies that you're in and that money will work for you. It has, it has worked for me and I am not the end of the line folks. Just because it's 2021 and we got problems in the economy and we don't have enough housing, mm -mm -mm, that doesn't mean that you cannot still make a really good investment in the stock market or in real estate, honestly. I think that's a great answer. I'm really happy to hear that you have a definitive philosophy in view. And I think, again, you know, there's lots of ways to do things. You know, that's why there's different religions and different political organizations and different diets and different sports. And there's all different ways to do things. But I think what's important... Yes. And like you, like you said, is to figure out like, okay, how are you going to play the game and figure out a way that works for you? And the other thing I would say is a key takeaway for me is to then also ensure that you learn how to do it properly, such as, like you said, like learning how to read the things so that you can do it with um, information instead of just kind of guessing. Uh, but I'm really happy to hear that you're like, uh, yes, you can do that, but I'm not betting against the things. And I think, again, that is a perspective on things that I haven't heard other people when they talk about investing talk about. They usually just talk about the opportunity and the money you can make, and that's about it. Uh, I just saw a, uh, a uh, comment here, great presentation. And uh, so I just wanted to see if, uh, Ben, if, do you have any other thoughts before we wrap up tonight? I saw... Um, the other couple of people have hopped off. I just want to give you an opportunity to comment. No, I, I didn't have anything I wanted to comment. Uh, you know, uh, interesting approach. It's, it sounds like the, the models are built around uh, the long term as opposed to those that go short term. Yep, that's right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know... Uh, I guess uh, I guess the main thing that I'm drawing out of this is you you've got to pick your line and then follow your line and if you mix your line up too much you're going to get inconsistent results because you got an inconsistent approach. <laughs> That's probably true. I I guess I didn't prove that out because I was pretty consistent. But the the reason I got into the real estate market was because I ended up over invested in the stock market. So although my approach was pretty steady in the stock market. When you when I looked at the numbers, I thought, oh shit, what if it does dump another twenty a twenty five percent drop in the stock market? Although I have a high risk profile, would mean a lot of a lot of money and potential gone. And I knew at that point that I had to balance my portfolio, and so I started getting into the real estate market. So that what that wasn't my original strategy. And I didn't even feel comfortable with real estate until I talked to a friend who has 72 rentals. And she said, you know what, Lisa, you need to balance your portfolio. And she was right. So that's that's what led me to that. Yep. Uh, that reminds me of something you said uh, earlier about uh, not investing too much in one company. So I guess in a way, too much was in stocks and not 
not uh, diversified enough. So another way to right. kind of, who would have known? That's yeah. right. Who would have known? I wouldn't have guessed. But yeah, it, that's true. And I, you know, didn't realize it until I had some pretty high numbers in a couple of brokerage accounts, and then the numbers start to really hurt when the stock market takes a dump. Yeah. Well, we're about to wrap up, and uh, I have been taking notes on the things you've been saying, and I'll have the recording out next week for the presentation and I'll send the notes out to our list and I have all of your contact information, but I want to give people an opportunity to learn about the event you have coming up. So if you'd like to take a couple minutes and talk about that and let people know how they can join in, uh, please share with us. Sure. I am hosting a summit, a 21 day summit that begins Monday, the 21st on movement and healing for computer users. So this is people who are in high demand jobs <clears throat> who for 15 months have been cooped up using their computers and phones and in having outcomes that are hard on your body and also hard on your mindset. I discovered I had a frozen shoulder last year shortly after we went to shelter in place. And part of it was probably the tension I was living under knowing that I was cooped up. Although I live on 10 acres, I really did feel cooped up without my people. And I was holding my shoulders wrong as I was doing Zoom meetings. And I ended up with a completely jammed right shoulder. I couldn't even raise my arm. I thought I can't be the only one. Honestly, I can't be the only one. So I decided to invite dozens. There are over three dozen experts in uh, movement and healing and wellness and well-being and some nutrition people. Um, they are... They are speaking. I will be presenting two videos per day, two experts per day, a featured speaker and a bonus speaker beginning Monday. And to register, you go to livinghightech.life, HTTPS, livinghightech.life. And that's the registration page. It's completely free. And all of the experts, including Shane, one of my first experts who interviewed with me is are giving a free gift to the audience members. It's a great place to be and it's free and it will be, there will be replays so that you can listen to the videos if you didn't manage to get to it that morning. So yeah, great event. I'm looking forward to it. I still have several more interviews to do and I'm just loving all the interviews. It's so much fun. Well, I'm glad that we met and that I was a part of your summit. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show here so we could learn more about you and give you a chance not only to talk about the event coming up, but also talk about your company. And I really think that your mission of like helping people learn how to create passive incomes is really important because it, as you mentioned earlier, like a lot of divorces and all these issues stem from money problems. And if we can help people to flip that around, then it could soothe a lot of those other issues. So I think that's a, a very noble cause. So thank you all for joining us again, and we'll see you on the next call. Hey, my name is James. I'm a lawyer who's always been interested in optimal human performance, and that's how I found Shane. If you're looking to upgrade your mental and physical fitness, then the Ultimate Performance Course is for you. It's the key to performing better at work, at home, and in all of life's challenges. I've also found it to be a great community of like-minded and supportive professionals. As Shane says, together, everyone accomplishes more. Want to have your ultimate performance or find out more about how to optimize your mind and body fitness? Contact me at shaneborza.com.
and see if the DIY or the group program would be best for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Solve Network. These interviews are from our web series of the same name. Want to watch? Head over to YouTube and search for The Solve Network. If you have questions, you can reach out to me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we're glad you're a part of the network and hope you're finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.